Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brame. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that serves as mental health support resources and self-development type stuff for people who are navigating herpes stigma. Whether you're positive, newly diagnosed, or been in a relationship for a long time, hadn't had to think about it, and getting back out into the dating world, or if you're someone who dates someone who's positive for herpes, and maybe you just want a little bit more information about it, and you've run across the issue of there not really being much of anything out there that's useful, then this is a place for you. Uh, Donations are accepted at www.spfpp.org, which has a new updated website, by the way, that I just remembered as I was saying this. It's exciting because it looks good. It's all functional now. It doesn't look like a newspaper on the Internet anymore. Um, So we were able to get someone to come in and redo that. Shout out to Jenny for making it happen. And it looks great. I got a couple more updates to make to it. And then... um, will be officially good to go on the website um if you haven't already please like rate review share subscribe to the podcast let me know what you think um i'll tell you now just to preface this episode i'm in new york and it's new york so there's going to be background noise random stuff will be happening i heard somebody playing some old juvenile riding by uh people honking at each other you might hear some yelling and cussing uh depending on what kind of driving's happen outside this window but all in all uh you know what to expect here another good conversation hopefully and today i'm here with erica erica you were a part of the or are not were are a part of the No Shame in His Game documentary, which is weird because I'm interviewing you and talking about this, and I haven't interviewed and talked to Jolene about this yet. Um, I feel like she's like not ready yet, but it's 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 good to I guess at least plant the seed here so that people know that something like this is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we met there, and I don't know that. Um, I don't know that you were doing any sort of like open advocacy or anything at the time. You're just like, oh, I don't care. Well, how I came to like be involved in the documentary, I actually, you know, from the many people, Herbie's positive people I follow online, Jolene had reached out to them to kind of ask if anyone would want to be interviewed. And at that time, I was like kind of the height of like my acceptance and like, I'm going to just go on full head like don't give a shit about oh was it for curses okay yeah, yeah, right. yeah don't give a shit about anything about hsv or you know just kind of like facing it head on and she was looking for people to interview and i was like hell yeah i want to do this so i met with her and i was like okay she seems cool and i went to my interview and it was really great and i was like i really love this idea and i, I told her i was like if you need any help like let me know and she was like yes i do and so that's kind of how it happened and we really just meshed really well you know you meet someone and you're like we're gonna be friends forever and that's how I felt with Jolene so I've kind of just been helping along the side with social media and event planning and just people to reach out to maybe sponsorship so I'm just happy to be a part of that project now that's awesome so how did you find yourself involved with this community obviously you got diagnosed with herpes but walk me through that how long ago was it how'd you find out okay uh it took a while actually so i was first diagnosed i think it was 2018 it's so funny everyone always knows like the month and date and i'm like what year was it again um (laughs) i had to look mine yeah (laughs) i feel like i had to look mine up too march 23rd 2013 was when i had symptoms and it was the 28th that I got the diagnosis because I went through my oh. Facebook messages at the people that I was messaging around that time. And one of them was like, can you talk? Call me. <laughs> and I knew what that was right away. Yeah, I think mine was like 20, I want to say 2017, 2018. No, it was October. But um, so it was actually a full two years after my diagnosis before I was like, okay, let me actually start learning. Um, funny enough, I was hooking up with this guy I disclosed to him. I knew, like, the basics of herpes. Like, I have to disclose, and this is how I handle it. And that was about it. I didn't really talk about it with anyone. I kept it to myself. Whatever outbreaks I had, I was, like, really just mentally dealing with myself. But I was hooking up with this guy. Um, I think I had mentioned one time that, like, yeah, I don't really want to have kids. Like, it's kind of hard to date with people who always want to have kids. And he sent me, like, a meme from it. And I realized the account was, it was sex education, education. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, this girl's open about having herpes? And then I just kind of dove into her account and then found, like, you and Trisha and just everyone on there, or Safe Slut. Um, 
and that's kind of how I got involved. And it was during the pandemic, so I had a lot of time on my hands. And so I was just deep dive on the, on the webs. And then I found virtual meetups. And I was like, oh, this is great. I can finally ask people questions who are my age, going through what I'm going through, and not feel any shame about it. What's your age if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I'm 30. Yeah. Um, at the time, I think I was like 28, 29. But again, in the young, you know, mid twenties, early thirties, the only person I ever knew that had herpes was um, my friend's mom. Funny enough, and like I can't really talk to her, you know. That's you know, it's, it's mom. A weird, it's a weird it's thing. It's weird. Yeah. And so like other than that, like I didn't, and like anyone else who came to me who had herpes, like I didn't know anything, so there was no one there. Like we were both kind of just clueless if any of my friends got it afterwards. Um, so yeah, I dove into my herpes research and the meetups and. That's kind of how I got involved in all this. Um, the virtual meetups, honestly, were, were a lifesaver for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm curious about that time period, that two years you said. Mm-hmm. It took you two years after your diagnosis to really do anything because I had four years. Mm-hmm. And I know what I was doing during my four years. And I, don't, I don't think I've really like spoken about that. But uh, are you comfortable sharing like what did that two years look like for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously... When I was diagnosed, um, mine was, I don't know who I got it from because it was, Same. yeah, yeah, so. Everyone I always forget the word. no. Suppre- like suppressed, basically, or it was just dormant. It's, it lay dormant. That's mm-hmm. what it was. So it was dormant in my system because I was with one per- partner at the time, and I was just like, what is happening? I used to get, like, chronic yeast infections and chronic UTIs, so I was just used to always something happening. And so I was like, this is new. What's going on? Um... But from the diagnosis, I kind of just dove into a black hole. Um, I did online research. I think the only thing I remember coming up is uh, Ella's TED Talk, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. And so not, other than that, I didn't really find anything online. And I like kind of saw things like you should like, tell people your status, and that was, this is how you could probably manage it, and that's with the Valtrex. Um, I didn't really know about prodrome symptoms at the time. I didn't know like any like topicals to use or anything like that. Um, so the first two years, I kind of just stayed to myself, handled it by myself, cried by myself. <laughs> you know, I was just like, this is what I have. I just have to suck it up now, yeah. you know, and just kind of lived with it. So that's how the first two years started. That's different than many people that I talk to who find out that they have it. And they, I think I was one of these people for sure, just get back with an ex. And it's like, mm. it's easier to just have that conversation. It was like, oh, I already asked you if you had it or if you gave it to me. And their response was, all right, well, I guess if you got it, I got it. Only for me to find out later that they just yeah. never tested positive. Mm. And that's one of the things that I hope is accomplished through utilizing this podcast and putting this out there for people to be able to see that regardless of transmission rates being whatever they are, I think it's more accurate to say X percent of people who have sex with people who don't have herpes, I'm sorry, let me reword that, people who have herpes and have sex with people who don't have herpes, they don't always get herpes. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a more accurate representation than if you wear condoms every time, if you take antivirals and the other person's healthy and you keep a safe distance and only never make skin contact, there's still a chance. I mean, there's gonna, it's still a chance for everything. Always. You know, but you know what's funny? I was with a partner at the time. Like, I was in a monogamous relationship. Um, he didn't handle it the best way. Uh, we ended up breaking up. Um, there's, a, there's a happy ending to that. We can get to that later. But, uh, so, like, from when I was diagnosed to when we broke up, he did not touch me. And so, it was, it was really, like, disheartening. Like, the one person I wanted to lean on and to, like, love me was still, like, well, I still need to do education. And then... We did. We had terrible communication skills at the time, so I didn't know how to talk to him about like this is really hurting me, and he didn't know how to talk to me of like I don't know how to handle this. So, um, I, funny enough, I broke up with that person. We broke up uh, with each other, and then. Um, I like how you corrected. No, yeah. we broke up with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did not break up. Well, he broke up with me, but you know we separated. But um, it was mutual. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, like I said, I mean, the only thing is I did kind of do some work in those two years because I was like, I can't like I'm a person where I'm like, I have to talk to someone about something like I can't keep it to myself. And so in order for me to be comfortable with talking about it, I started like slowly telling my best friends, the people who were close to me. And so I was like, look, this is happening. You know, just be careful and go get tested. You know, like I don't want this to happen to you, too, kind of thing. 
I prefaced it. Uh, we did. Yeah. Um, so I did tell my close friends, but like, how I, many friends would you say? Like a handful or more than that, basically, is what I'm. A little more than a handful okay. for sure. Because I, I I don't want people to think, oh my god, I can't imagine telling one person, and here you are telling a dozen, right? Mm-hmm. So I want people to just take whatever baby step you need because. Go ahead. What were you about to say? No, I was like, one hundred percent. Take, oh. take. There's no comparison on each person's journey of any type of acceptance, um, and so. Oh. We good. This one's recorded. Okay, cool. And so there's, there's no right way to, to accept your 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 diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so I did it the way I knew how to do it, and other people have to do it the way that helps with them. What did you expect from your friends? Um, I mean, honestly, they were my best friends, so I didn't expect any type of like, oh my god. You know, I remember telling my cousins, and they're like, I'm just so sorry this happened. They felt so sorry for me, and now I'm like, they don't have to feel sorry for me. But they were just like, they just thought. I feel like they thought the world was over for me, and they were just like, I'm so sorry this is happening to you. You know, I just so much like pity for me. And now I think about it, I was like, I don't really need the pity. But, um, but yeah, they, like, they genuinely thought, like, my life was over. And so, like, I remember my cousin telling one of her husbands, and he was just like, he, like, cried. How many husbands she got? Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> That's a southern thing, I'm sorry. My cousin told her husband, her oh, one husband. Oh, I was like, yo, all right. <laughs> now, one of my cousins told her husband. All right. Um... <laughs> It told her husband about my diagnosis, and she said, like, he started getting emotional about it. And I was just like, I don't know why he got so emotional. It's not happening to him, but okay. But, yeah, I I got some good reactions. A lot of my friends were like, thank you so much for telling me. They were very kind about it. They even did research on their own, lucky enough. And they always they came back to me to ask questions, which is great, and they still do. And um, so, yeah, I didn't get any bad response. Did you get... And this is me sort of veering the conversation into like my own agenda, which is this concept of identity validation, which is really just validating that you are exactly who you were mm. prior to them, to you telling them that you have herpes. Like, did they treat you any different at all? No. Um, I think I have my own validation to work through, like through sexual experiences in general. But in regards to herpes, I didn't feel like anyone looked at me differently. Yeah. And I want to emphasize that because people are so deathly afraid of telling people that they have herpes. And it's not, ill. why would I tell someone that I have herpes unless I'm going to have sex with them? Mm-hmm. It's the emotion underneath it that is shaping the way that you are now being a friend. Because for mm-hmm. myself, for example, I remember... After I got my diagnosis, I was in and out of the same relationship. And I had this one friend who always was like, you're in love with your ex. Why don't you just be with your ex? And I never told him I had herpes until one day I just flipped out. I was like, shut the fuck up. I'm not in love with my ex. I just mm-hmm. have herpes and I don't want to tell anybody else. And it felt so good to say that. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, everybody has herpes. Not me, but everybody. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. my favorite reaction. Yeah, doesn't everybody have herpes? I mean, I don't. But I, I feel like a <laughs> lot of people would be surprised on the people they told. Because the first person I told was one of my best friends and she was like I know and I was like wait how'd you know because I, as I was going through all the symptoms and then went to the hospital she like heard everything I was going through and then I, she was like what happened and I was like I don't want to talk about it and then she kind of clicked because she she was the one with the mom and she was like half my family has herpes like my aunts have herpes they're married they have kids like they're fine and so I was like oh my god and so you would be surprised um like I'm uh, another one of my cousins they later got diagnosed and they came to me to talk to me about it. And then they found out their aunt also has it. Yeah. And so it's just like you you would be very surprised at how many people in your life have it and just don't talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, again, there's not really a reason to talk about it to people around you unless you know it's something that you need. Um, I've been playing this video game, God of War Ragnarok on PS5, which I got a <laughs> PS5 now in case I haven't bragged about it. And there's some gems in there. Um, one of the things that he says is uh, one of the characters, he's a kid, he's like a teenager, and he experiences the loss of a loved one. So there's grief associated with that. And he avoids having to deal with it or talk about it. And what he wants to do is he wants to go hunt. He's like, Dad, can we go hunting? 
and dad just goes along with them. And then when the kid's like ready, like dad's like, do you want to talk? Do you want silence? And the kid's like, I think it went this way and just avoiding it all together. There we go. It went away. All right. I was trying to ramble before I get to the point. (laughs) But um, they get to the point where he's about to kill the animal and his dad just like makes him put the bow down. And he's like, son, the first thing an animal does when it's bleeding is it has to stop the bleeding. So it tied back into nature. It's like, hey, man, like right now, as an animal, if you are a bleeding animal, you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to go eat food while you're bleeding. You got to mm-hmm. stop the bleeding mm-hmm. first. And that's kind of what this whole grief thing is. You have to allow it. Like stopping the bleeding is the, essentially what allowing the grief to work its way through you is. You know what? I've never actually thought of it as grief. And that's such a good point. Like you're, you definitely grieve like maybe your sexual experiences or like who you are as a person but later do you find out (laughs) you become like such a cool person on the other end and it's the whole acceptance thing that's really it so yeah it definitely went through a lot of of grieving Mm -hmm. for sure Uh, we have a podcast episode called break through the breakup with dr aaron davidson and she speaks about grief like the size of the relationship determines the size of the grief essentially and we don't just grieve when somebody dies we grieve not just that person's absence but who we were in association with that person Mm -hmm. and who we would have become in association with that person and how we would have seen that person moving forward Mm -hmm. so grief is not just damn that person died I need to just talk about this person dying relationship yeah and there's just like this cycle of when it comes up the emotion needs to come out Mm -hmm. and you have to just create space for it so for you you mentioned grieving your sexuality what'd you say more of like like everyone i think the point is everyone's going to grieve like am i ever going to have a partner again or relation or intimacy again that's the first thing so people kind of like who's gonna love me yeah when you ask enough questions is who's gonna fuck me like that's ultimately what this comes down to like we're never gonna be deprived of love we're never gonna not be able to get into a relationship with somebody it's really about like how i look at if someone is all on board with wanting to have sex with me or be in some type of a relationship and then i tell them i have herpes that's not quite what it really is for them i think that a lot of times people who have that hesitance or who are like nope don't want to do that after being like oh but you're so amazing i want to be with you all it is is like they want to be able to do this and still have their freedom their autonomy to not have to have this uncomfortable conversation and that's work they have to do with themselves that's it it's it really comes down to like emotional availability Mm -hmm. because the emotions that come up with that are okay now if i get herpes what am i gonna have to do oh i'm gonna have to tell people that's shameful i don't want to do that who wants to be vulnerable 24 7 nobody i'll be honest disclosing is still exhausting any time of, of an emotional release to anyone is going to be exhausting but in the long run it's worth it and it makes communication a lot easier too and it's worth it for yourself too, because I remember um, there I've not disclosed before, and I couldn't get hard. Like I, it was like a half chub. I had a half chub. I could chub. never. I would just feel so guilty. Yeah. I, and okay, no disrespect to anyone who hasn't disclosed. I know that's a very hard thing to do, but I always say, look at it from the other end. Like, when did you want to know? Yes. You know. Yes. And if you can't. If you're not ready to disclose, I would just say there's still more work you have to do with yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that the creation of this whole platform organization was kind of born out of the necessity for that. Like when people ask me what I do, depending on who I'm talking to, I'll say different things. But I think that what's consistent here is educating people how to talk about their sexual health status and honestly reframing people's view on sexual health as being a part of mental health because Mm -hmm. the whole reason this thing started is because people with herpes wanted to kill themselves and this is a direct response to a change in sci status or herpes status and then that shift in their beliefs about themselves being what uh, send them down a direction of thinking about suicide yeah, I think that I had general anxiety um, all the even before then, and it just got ten times worse until I actually like 
faced it head on, you're as much as work you do on your mental health, you need to also do work on your like if you have an STI on that sexual health as well and being educated and it's like I said going back to acceptance because once you're comfortable with your own body you're going to be comfortable with you know you're just going to feel like a burden has been lifted you when you don't communicate or you don't talk about the thing that's bothering you it's going to weigh down on you more and it's going to take longer for you to work through that I think forcing yourself to be uncomfortable is going to end up in being better in the long run. Like, what's the point? How do you move forward if you don't make yourself uncomfortable? I think that's the whole point. It goes with any type of, like, success, failure. If you want to be successful, you have to fail first. So start disclosing, and if you get rejection, that's you failing. But, you know, the more you disclose, the more you learn how you want to disclose, the more type of people you learn how you, who you want to date because you can just start disclosing to anyone but once you say okay i like their characteristics i'm being an honorable person then i know who i want to be with and that's who i choose to disclose to that i'm, I'm laughing because it yeah. made me think about this time where uh someone was like yeah i disclosed and i just started disclosing to people to like uh ward them off oh and i know right just weaponizing no. it and she was like yeah i just like oh, well i have herpes and the guy was like girl i don't care and she was like oh oh yeah. but it wasn't like a it was kind of like a just stay away from me. You don't want it. You don't want any parts of this. It was coming from like that defeated place. Mm-hmm. And for to him, he was like, "Shit, I still like you." And people don't hear enough of that in order to be able to mm-hmm. challenge their own beliefs with these actual experiences that are being had out in the world. Uh, because I, I tell people, man, it's a sixty-six point six percent chance of not being rejected there's three responses that you get when you disclose it's going to be yes uh, i have it too that's mm-hmm. fine it's going to be tell me more or it's going to be a flat out no right so either way really you're only experiencing a potential of 33.3 percent uh chance of being quote rejected mm-hmm. by those standards and we don't hear people saying like oh yeah you know i tell someone i have herpes and they said me too and that was that yeah it's also like why would you want to be someone who does who acts like that anyways you know it's i think wait acts like what you're talking about the uh who basically has no education of se- uh of any sexual health who immediately thinks that you're gonna transmit to them and that's not usually the case how they protect themselves also people not even knowing when they've been tested or what's on their tests as we know like herpes is not in your normal panel um so that's what i think like why would i want to waste time with them it's just the whole like fake it till you make it kind of thing like you know the whole lucky girl syndrome that's happening right now no what is it oh it's all over the tiktok all the kids are talking about it and lucky girl syndrome is like (laughs) i hate tiktok so much so lucky girl syndrome is basically like i'm amazing i'm gonna like do great today like i deserve everything in the world like i'm so lucky i wish i could uh, show people you know? your poses right oh now. yes the poses <laughs> make this so much better you know kind of being like i'm the baddest bitch in the world you really just gotta and it's hard obviously day to day that's not going to be the case but i think the more mentality you have that of like putting those notes up like i am worthy look i struggle with that my therapist told me to do that put up notes put up your reminders i am worthy have mantras like the more you like follow these routines the more um it'll become just easier to take on because it takes 21 days to create a habit and so i think the more you you envision yourself like i am a lucky person and i am the person that people are lucky to be with (laughs) um it just becomes easier that way yeah uh and what that makes me think of is y'all uh like there being this idea of the more that you try and give yourself these positive affirmations to yourself, like the sticky notes and everything on a mirror, it's like, if you don't believe it, there's this negative reinforcement of that. Like you're telling yourself how awesome you are, but your subconscious is picking up on how shitty you are. But there's always gonna be that little voice in your head. It's never gonna go away. And I think once you accept that and know how to like, be like, all right, today is just the day that I don't feel great. And I'm not, obviously don't, it's, it's a lot of work. I've done a lot of work over the years to be, to say this. So I don't want it to come off. It's like, it's so easy. Cause it really isn't. 
Um, it's taken like six years of like four or six years of therapy to actually work through this, but you have to, like my therapist always says like, anxiety is always going to be there. And if you let it sit on in front of you the whole time, that's all you're going to notice, but you have to let it sit next to you. And so let that, let that sit next to you, sit with it, understand it. And then it just gets easier to digest. That's what I believe. So uh, I'm thinking about like, is that a hot girl summer, lucky girl summer? Is that, is that, a, is probably, that a thing? Probably. They'll probably be a lucky girl summer for sure. <laughs> uh, I like what you said about the anxiety just being in your face. Um, instead of having it be in your face, but have it next to you. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm learning about anxiety is essentially that there is an intensity about it. It can either cripple you or it can motivate you into some sort of action. But there's just information there in the anxiety. Uh, I've spoken about uh, like trauma responses, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. It's exactly what forward. it is. Your body is going into like a, re- a fear response. And so you kind of have to be like, what's what's making me fearful right now? So, for example, um, I'm in an open relationship. Jealousy is a normal fucking thing. And if I ever feel that anxiety from the jealousy, it's like, why am I jealous? Am I nervous because I think he's going to leave me if I think that? And I just have to reassure, like, we've obviously had open communications. He's not going to do that, you know. And that's just something I have to work on myself. So if you get anxiety about disclosing, what's the fear? The fear is going to be rejection. Okay, if he rejects me, what's going to happen? Tomorrow I'll wake up and make myself a good breakfast. Tomorrow, you know, I'll, I'll put, cuddle with my dog tomorrow. It'll be great. I'll go, how about... If you reject me tomorrow morning, I'll dedicate time to do yoga. Leave you or reject you? Reject you. All right. Sorry, I meant leave me as in like my, all right, talking, all right. <laughs> talking about my personal okay, experience. I got but you. I mean, for people who go on disclose and want to go on dates. Um, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, all right, yeah. All right. Okay. Sorry. I, I like to say it, things there in was my a head. Shift. There was a yeah, shift between me to reject, and I was like, wait, you're gotcha. Things in my head happen but then i communicate them they come out wrong <laughs> that's all right no, it's coming out i like the free flow of it. um but yeah think of it as that way like if i get a rejection how can i like spin it into a positive or how can i what can i learn from that rejection you know maybe there was something about him that characteristic that you wouldn't have been okay with later on and as you share what you just did here about like your self-care practices for after disclosing because you mentioned like it's a vulnerable thing and Mm -hmm. it can be really exhausting and draining to have to do especially over and over and over and over and over and over again right so uh taking having a plan it sounds like like a plan for yourself if you understand yourself you've done the work and Mm -hmm. i always say like the work is never really explained people are like you have to do the work and what that really means is challenging your beliefs with behaviors and then with that you identify what your patterns are you identify what emotions come up in certain situations Mm -hmm. and then you can do what you will with the intensity of whatever the emotion is when you can recognize it and i always tell people trace the triggers okay Wow, I'm having deja vu. I said that to you in a dream I had. So weird. But that that definitely happened. Oh, I don't wait. know that we were like Just here. now? Yeah, just oh, now. Oh, that's that so funny. Okay, I, I thought you were giving me an example. No, no, like, no. That, that was weird. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we want to trace our triggers by first looking at this emotionally charging situation for ourselves, mm. right? So let's say you go on a date and you tell someone you have herpes and they say no. Your reaction to that, okay? Think about what the emotion is and then think about the most recent time that you felt that feeling and then try and think about the first time that you felt it. And you will have a general idea of what the pattern is there that makes you continue to have this feeling that you don't really care for. And if you decide to do the work, Mm -hmm. then that means challenging that pattern by changing something. And it can be something as simple as a little recalibration. You know, if you change one degree over a long period of time you're going off in a completely different direction than you would if you were to just completely do a 360 and i think people put so much pressure on themselves to do the work that they might go into an extreme opposite in avoidance and they'll continue to have this pattern of going all over the place avoiding things until they land somewhere that's tolerable Mm. i strongly encourage people to look for a direction that you want to go into and then go that way and then you can reach calibrate and adjust accordingly but try not to avoid 
I came back full circle and didn't make the point that I wanted to make. Well, what I got from that is, um, again, the whole habits thing. People feel like you have, like, for example, you know, new year, new me, you got to like, day one, I got to start working out to lose weight. That's not the case. You can never go cool. Like, 100% 100% on anything, it's going to be too hard to probably quit too soon. It's making, like you said, the small adjustments because the smaller habits you make, the easier it'll be to adjust. So, for example, maybe you start off by, like I said, telling your friends, telling your best friend you have herpes and talking to them about it, about your experiences and what you're learning. And the next step will be, you know, telling a new date i I don't know what the next step would be but you know small stuff like that yeah like do what's easier for you because to some people telling a stranger telling someone online or telling a potential partner like these are all different ways of going about doing it so you just never really know what's gonna work for you but everybody's different Mm -hmm. so for me i think that um telling like a distant friend allowed for us to be able to have more of a friendship connection relationship and then I started to bring it in more right so actually no it was one of my best friends because he told me he was having twins he was like man I got twins on the way I said at least it ain't Herbie's he <laughs> said damn he's like well you know so-and-so got it he's like I could hook you up I was like bet <laughs> so, so that that was a good experience for me And it was what I needed at the time. So you never know what you really need or how you're going to be able to get that thing that you need. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of people who come to something positive for positive people end up finding for themselves is that they've been able to get something out of this that they didn't know that they needed Mm -hmm. until they got here. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking to the open relationship thing. So I think that that's a general curiosity Mm -hmm. uh, that people have because... On one hand, you have the stability of a partner relationship to where you can take more risks and go out there and potentially get rejected and be fine because you already got something at home. Do you feel like that changes anything or like, do you have anything to say to I that? I never thought of it like that. Oh. I've never <laughs> thought of it like, at least I got this guy. Yeah. I think of it as like, I mean, in general, being open, I'd like to cultivate different relationships because one person can't be your one all be all you know maybe I'll, maybe they'll meet someone that will connect with them more emotionally I meet with someone that connect with on a different set a different type of sexual experience and I get with my main partner um but yeah I've never I've never thought about like it's all good at least I got him I don't, I don't I ain't know. mean it like that yeah. I just mean like <laughs> You're able to take more risks when you have more security. Yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense. I guess I never thought of it like that. So, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does um, have you always been open relationships? Uh, it's been up and down. This is my first healthy one. All right. Um, it's still fairly new. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning, but for the most part, yeah, this is my first healthy one. I had a quote unquote open relationship with quote my unquote. last with my last boyfriend, but he's his definition of open means to lie and cheat on me so yeah all right so yeah. we don't have to go there yeah, uh, no, no. oh i'm happy with it. it's fine but uh, but yeah this is my first one where it's been like we we're communicating uh i mean, I mean honestly it's been it's been great mm-hmm. and funny enough that's why i said that earlier has a happy ending because the person who i ended up break, uh you know we broke up because i had herpes we just got back together and so we've kind of like took time apart yeah uh, we took time apart, um, and he obviously during that time we were like on and off friends, and he obviously apologized as he learned more and learned more about sex education, and as we both learned about polyamory and stuff. You People know. in New York love to lay on their horns. They really do. It's um, not like a oh, and somebody yelling back. Yeah. I told y'all it's an action-packed episode. Yeah, it's so funny. I just feel like I, I don't even hear it anymore. Yeah, but. I think you get immune to it. Yeah, it's you know, okay. It's that's rush- a completely different horn. Somebody just getting involved. <laughs> it's rush hour. Right, so time. Uh, time wise, I know mm-hmm. we got to get to the support group meeting. Mm-hmm. When do we want to wrap this up? You do fifteen minutes. All right, perfect. All right, continue. Um, New yeah, re- yeah. Y'all got back together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
we had a lot of growing up to do. So now we, rec- re- as I mentioned before, we did not have any good communication. And we recognize that moving forward. And we both have dated other people. So I think we learned a lot from those relationships too. So we took what we learned, what we made mistakes on, and are kind of applying to it now. Um, so fingers crossed. Yeah. This goes well. <laughs> That's good. Um, do you... Mm-hmm. I was going to ask a question, but didn't want to cut you off while you were You're talking. You're fine. Uh, I have one thing I forgot to bring up. I had like one, like I said, the one before it was supposed to be open. It really wasn't. Um, but other than that, that's all I really have experience with open relationships. I've mainly been like solo poly or like just casually dating people. So that's, that's cool because yeah. I don't know. I don't explain to me solo poly. Cause it just sounds like you're available and kind of just going with the flow, but you have, it's like, I hope this, I hope this comes out the way that I'm intending for it to come out. But mm-hmm. basically you're available for what you are available for in that moment and you can just kind of hold on to your relationships um i've heard someone describe it as um their main and most important relationship is with themselves that should be everybody though yeah like everybody's but i don't think they're like this is my partner for life i think they have partners yeah you know that they're open with but i think first and foremost like they are their main relationship. Um, that's what I've gotten from it so far. So again, mine was very casual. I started. I started off. What is casual to you? Let's um, let's define that. We're let's not. Define. We're not introducing each other to like parents or okay. Like friends. We're not like regularly seeing each other. Like maybe I'll see someone every once in a while. Um, it's not like I don't feel like I haven't. Uh, I'm not obligated to them in any sense. Obviously open and say, Hey, I'm going to go on the date with this person. Um, you know, we've had intimate moments where we've talked about emotional stuff, but from being casual, I'd never see, I don't see it going any long-term. How do you, how do you communicate that? Because I feel like there's a challenge there between, all right, like I like you, but right now I don't like you later. It's kind of as simple as possible. (laughs) I don't tell them that. (laughs) I mean, only only because I didn't think of that. When's the expiration day? When is the expiration day? I think it, you know how things just fizzle out? When you get bored. I think they just fizzle out. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it just, it just happens. Like you talk to people, you have fun and then life gets in the way sometimes. And sometimes your schedules don't match up or Maybe you start learning more about them. And you're like, huh, I kind of just like having fun with them. I don't really want to do this. You know, it just, you know, that's how it happens. So usually. I guess you level out of the relationship. You kind of yeah. level up out of the relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I got you. I've never been like, I want to stop seeing you. It always kind of just fizzles out, which yeah. is my, I want to say, I'm still very, I want to say like, I'm an expert at polyamory. I'm very, very, no, very, this very is, new. I think this is where a lot of people, at least who are here are like mm-hmm. polyamorous people generally don't need this podcast unless they're like newer to it or new to a situation that's unfamiliar because i tell everybody like the most helpful herpes resources that i've had have nothing to do with herpes at all it's been like the psychology books the self-help stuff it's been understanding that doing the work is going out there and challenging what you believe with actual behavior polyamory taught me how to communicate that's why i like it so much you're forced to be open and it's also helped my anxiety because the minute I feel anxious about something, you can speak to it. I, yeah, I, I have to be open about it, you know, because how is the relationship going to work if I don't? And so it's made me a lot more comfortable in learning how to talk and be uncomfortable. Um, but I think also the point, there are like definitions of polyamory, but each relationship is to each his own. Like you make what you're, you, you set the boundaries and agreements and what desires you want within that relationship. There's no cut and paste uh, situation. I think that's the whole point of it. It's because monogamy is like, you have to do level one, level two, level three. You have to follow these rules. And polyamory, you just do whatever the fuck you want. And consensually and ethically. Yeah. I wonder, because uh, for me, I've seen that kind of like waver, depending on who I'm talking to. I struggle with this thing that I do, where it's like, I will sort of conform my personality 
or whatever around the person that I'm mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. and I caught myself because I had to give a talk on this and uh, one of my board members Dr. Evelyn Dacker who we do the mm, Stars yeah, Talk yeah I sat on one of those before yeah so mm-hmm. we, we do these Stars Talk workshops mm-hmm. and she was like alright Courtney talk about relationship attention I'm like why you do this to me because it's really hard to be intentional with relationships especially like when what you want is right there in front of you and it's like if I say this thing I know I'll get it like the likelihood increases versus being like hey actually what I want is this thing that requires emotional availability and vulnerability Mm -hmm. right to be able to say hey you are capable of meeting this particular need that I have and instead of me asking for that thing that I have, I ask for what I think you're available for and can give me and what I think that I want from you. Not this is what I what want. What type of relationship but style this is that? what I want from you. I'm trying to think what type of It's kind of manipulative. I'm more of like let me not let me before I was like, I don't want to say what's bothering me because then they're gonna think I'm needy and they're gonna think this and I'm just gonna be a cool girl. I'm gonna blah, blah. So, I've so I suppress that. a lot of that. I've run into yeah. that issue uh, with casual relationships, not wanting to because like I've dated a lot of people who are polyamorous or in mm-hmm. other relationships and like I think those work for me because I'm busy. Yeah, yeah, so same. Because of that That's why I did it in the past. I was just too fucking busy. But like at what point are you this is this is tough to communicate because I've seen relationships that I have fizzle out or get boring when it was like, okay, the expectation is casual and I let them hit me up when they have space and availability for mm-hmm. it or to meet up and do whatever it is that we're going to do. And I think that on my end, I haven't expressed enough desire to them because of a fear of being needy. Like, I don't want to be like, hey, let's do this thing on this day. And then they'd be like, oh, I have date night with my partner that I live with. or. But then that's their responsibility of being like, you know what? How about we try this date and make space for you? That makes sense. But to but, me, yeah. it's like, I don't want to be needy. And I'll look up and we'll have not seen each other for like four days. And yeah, that text, happens. Just like, I did that one time with the, an old, like, not, I don't want to say partner, an old hookup. Um, fling. A little fling. And I was like, and I kind of opened up and I was like, look, I love, I like hooking up. It's fine. But I was like, I want to be your friend. Like first and foremost, whoever I meet with, I I need to make sure I can be friends with them. What because... does being friends look like with someone? Because are you, are you heterosexual? Yes. Okay. So what does it look like in heterosexual friendships with people that you are attracted to, I guess? Because mm-hmm. that it's, it's tricky. I guess someone I could just hang out with. That is tricky. You're right. Um, cause I end up sleeping with all my friends. Um, <laughs> I read a post, somebody <laughs> posted and she said, uh, let's normalize railing your platonic friends and I'll <laughs> laugh my ass off. It's a good and bad thing. It's, it can um, be. I've definitely like hooked up friends and then the guys are like, okay, bye. Like they won't talk to me. I'm like, why can't we just be friends if we don't hook up like this? For me, I can separate the two. Some people just can't. Um, so if we decide not to hook up, it's fine. What? Is it something that needs to be separated, though? Because I feel like only the most emotionally unavailable people will do that. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and, I, and this is where I get in trouble because I won't just say it like that. It's like, I want to be able to, like, have that intimate connection and be able to fuck mm. right so not only fuck no emotional connection however oh, the no. polarity it i think the polarity is chemistry i think chemistry i have to be able to respect you um that's one thing but i don't think i can be like okay bye like you know i treat them like a human being you like i got your shit half on all right yeah. I gotta get <laughs> no i can never do that it's your like, uber's outside you know my aftercare is very much cuddling and i like cuddling with people and stuff and so um man yeah that's i guess it's still a learning process for me it, it is and yeah. i think it, everybody's learning process when do mm-hmm. we ever stop learning Ugh, you know facts um but settling into relationship structures and styles and i hate that i often have to try and make shit connect to herpes because so much of this is beyond herpes yeah. like it really is i feel like we, we definitely derail our, yeah our and, conversation. but that's all of these episodes have become that in the beginning i'd say 85 percent was about herpes and 15 was about the person mm-hmm. and it's sort of evolved to where it's like hey here's a person 
Here's their life experience. Oh, by the way, they just so happen to have gotten herpes. Well, herpes is the reason I've been able to learn what type of relationship I want. But so, what's a bigger deal? Herpes or knowing what type of relationship that you want, you know right? Knowing what type of relationship I want, that's for sure. And I think herpes people is do not the a, opposite. For me, it's not a big deal anymore. People do the opposite and put so much weight on the herpes part and nothing on what herpes is representing part. I promise you, people... I literally had a guy make a joke about herpes in front of me and then later on try to hook up with me. And I was like, you know, I have herpes, right? And he was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, he knew? He remembered? No, the he joke? didn't know. Sorry. I said, oh, oh, yeah, by the way, I have herpes. I'm really bad at wording stuff. No, I no. I said, by he the way. He made the joke in front of me. He knew he made yeah. the joke in front of me. That and was, I was like, you got that right. Yeah. And so I was like, I have herpes. And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's fine. And then we hooked up. And then later on, he was like, he was like, so how'd you get it? Didn't he ask me all these questions? And we're still friends to this day. I love when the questions come later. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I actually first, don't. I actually don't love that. I know. I, At first, I was like, that can was we sarcasm. not? We just stopped hooking up or having sex or whatever. But later on, we talked about it. And it was fine. And like I said, it was like a one-time hookup thing. We definitely realized we were just friends. I hate one-time hookups. Oh. I, I don't. I, it lowers my self-esteem. If we don't have sex twice, I feel like, because it only gets better. The more that you have sex. It, it can't get worse. I mean, we did have sex the second time, and we were just like, eh. Ugh. It wasn't bad. It's just, you know, we were just friends. Like, you kind of just know. Damn. I don't know. That's just how I am. I'm like, <laughs> I can have sex with someone, but I'm like, I don't really need to continue to have sex with you. Like, and like I said, we're chill. Like, he's super nice. Like, I met up with him and his girlfriend. Like, still, we hang out. We're super Does his girlfriend know y'all hooked up? I don't know. Yeah. Don't if you so. don't know, probably not. Probably not, which I completely yeah. respect that. Like, I wouldn't want to know either. But Really? I don't know. As an open person, you wouldn't want to know if you You're right. You're right. Right. As I said it, I was like, I regret that. I always that. said, when I die, like, I would, I hope, I hope that mm. somehow, like, whispers happen. Like, yeah, yo, I was, I was looking up. At the same time, oh God, it was so insignificant, but I do feel like, yeah, if I had a partner being like, you're going to meet this person, we hooked up forever I ago. I yeah, you're him. right. Yeah. Ethically, they should be telling them. It's like, and not in like. A, I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. Like, she's never brought it up, so maybe they. Does they, she treat you weird? You know, no, you she, would know if she knew. She, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, we're all learning. We're all. Yeah. It's it's never gonna be perfect. Nothing's gonna be perfect. What are some of your relationship values? My relationship values? Well, I'll say for me, I very much value transparency. Mm. I very much value consistency. And I very much value reciprocity. Like, if you if you can be honest with me and you can be consistent in who you are, like, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, how you are, but, like, who you are or how you are consistently. That's what I look mm-hmm. at. And if there's inconsistencies, because, like, I recognize that that's a trigger for me. And if I'm in a sense triggered by your inconsistency like i can just avoid that shit altogether yeah i mean same consistency because the whole up and down like guessing what their mood's gonna be is not fun um honesty for sure just don't lie That's honesty kind of so here's why i said transparency because honesty is different than transparency mm. the reason being let's say you asked me if i slept with someone last night mm-hmm. a specific person mm-hmm. And I fucked them, and then I sent them on their way. I didn't sleep with them, so I would answer, "No, I didn't sleep with them." That's reading between. That's like I know, but I'm saying stuff. like that's, that's but that's up. something that happens. That's okay. something that people do. So. Transparent and honesty. Then, there you go. um, yeah. <laughs> I guess that is something I should uh, do more and research on. But I mean, listen, you doing your you doing your thing. I just yeah. I, I like yeah. hearing from other people like mm-hmm. what their things are because like. As I'm getting older and I'm trying to look at relationship values and like what it is that I do want, like I'm inconsistent in what my availability is Mm. and I'm trying to get to a point where I can at least be able to communicate that effectively. So that's the basis for me, like communicate with me on and also communicate with me on your like with your time, just making time is a big like quality time is my love language. And so as long, I don't care how busy you are. Um, my ex, as shitty as he was, he was weirdly good at like making time and like hanging out and like even coming back, even coming back for like an hour, I'm okay with. So That's as long- That's the easiest one. That's the easiest love language. I know. <laughs> I 
I know I just like hanging out. Um, and like I said, just uh, I don't know. I'll do some work on that. <laughs> all right, no, and you nobody. I'm like telling me you like me you, all yeah. the time and right. give me all the kisses. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so we're getting to the end here. Mm-hmm. Are there any questions that perhaps you were hoping to be asked or anything that you'd want to share? Mm. If you are newly diagnosed with herpes, first of all, Welcome I to the club. Yeah, it's the coolest club to be a part of. I honestly have never felt so much better about myself, never made the most amazing friends, never made, like, had such a great community to be a part of. So I promise you, it's a good thing. Um, and remember that if anyone were to reject you in any way, then that says a lot more about them than it says about you. Um, and again, just take your own time, but... Shimmer, you're a, we're one fucking bad ass person. Lucky. Oh, I was about to say lucky, right? You're a lucky, lucky person. Yeah. yeah. Lucky, lucky person summer. <laughs> lucky person syndrome. <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't We'll work. get you on TikTok. It it's work. okay. I'm not, no. Well, I, I have TikTok. It's, it's just annoying. All right. Uh, I guess I didn't really have a... Yeah, this was good. I appreciate that. I think that I'll title this one, uh, Stop the Bleeding. That's why I got my notepad, and I was going to hurry up and write it down before I forgot. Stop the bleeding. <laughs> that sounds like something else now that I say it out loud again. Because that was like one small part of the podcast episode. Anyway, I'll figure that out. <laughs> um, thank you for listening to this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. With Erica, please like, rate, review, subscribe to, share this podcast. If you liked it, even if you didn't like it, tell me. I know that the sound quality was a little whatever, but this this is what we got to work with. Until there is a office building with the podcast recording studio, sound equipment and all that, and the staff, um, which maybe one day we'll get there. We'll see. Uh, this is what we get. <laughs> I'll do my best to minimize external noises and I'll edit stuff, but that's all I got. Um, please consider making a donation to something positive for positive people as well. You can visit www.spfpp.org to do that. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to me, Courtney at spfpp.org. And yeah, this is just like a good, smooth flow of the conversations. Just like two people sitting down and talking about their experiences around herpes, you know, that may be how it started, but that's never really how it ends. All right. Till next time.